All right, Luke, let me pose a little bit of a scenario to you. Okay. Let's say that you are a very successful um, show producer and creator. Okay. Let's say that, hey, I'm a very successful show producer and creator. It's been said. You have two ardent fans. Mm. They're just really taken by your work. They really lavish their praises upon it. But they never say your name right. So what, what, what's your question on this scenario? Because I can, I can picture this scenario very clearly. I, I don't know. Like, um, do, okay, hold on. Do people, do listeners to our podcast know your full name? Or, I don't know if they do. And if they, if they read it, they definitely probably mispronounce it. I was about to go that angle because I'm, well, we both have last names that could be mispronounced. I'm Doty, you're young. What I think is hilarious, like, I just think it's really funny that there are other Luke Dotys who exist. The, I think the other, the other big Luke Doty is a football player for Florida Correct. or something. Yes. Or was at one point. And now probably works until at a gas you, station. Until you killed him. <laughs> until I killed him. And I will eliminate all the other Luke Dotys I can until I am the only one. Which you're is like ex- Jet Li's the one. Except with every Luke Doty that you kill, your hairline recedes a little bit further. <laughs> You you can tell by the fact that I have just a few hairs left that there's a couple of Luke Dodies still out there. But you can also tell that I've done a thorough culling so far. Uh, I feel kind of bad. I feel like that was really mean. Honestly, I, I love the, uh, the hairline jokes at this stage. No, I've accepted it. It's cool. Oh, man. Um, okay, so two minutes in. We're, we're the Scooby Dudes. We're the Scooby Dudes. Uh, we are creators in our own right of this podcast, which is all about Scooby-Doo. We're talking about our favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too. Um, the, this hypothetical creator that we, are, we were discussing is none other than, and I will give him the respect he deserves, John Colton Berry. Johnny Colty Bear Bear, who is the creator of Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Uh, the creator, the creative mind behind it. Our favorite, my, uh, it's tough to say my favorite Scooby-Doo series, but like my favorite recent Scooby-Doo series, easily. It's it's so good. And we've we've been singing its praises for quite some time. And here we are, we are doing the second episode, and we couldn't be more excited. Yeah. Uh, John Colton Berry has, uh, he's really caught fire, uh, caught lightning in a bottle with this series. I think you'd be, uh, I mean, you're cheating yourself not to go out and watch it before you listen to our episode, or at least to watch it after you listen to this episode. I, 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 can we dedicate this episode to John, our friend John? Yeah, you know what, if anything, he, he's such like a perfect specimen. Uh, he, he's worth emulating, he's worth lauding. I think that if there's anything uh, that he could possibly tweak to, uh, to, to better improve himself, it would be to change his first name to Jonathan. 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 Uh, am I right, man? Oh, gosh. John versus Jonathan Colton Berry is such a huge difference. Uh, and granted, that's not on, on our friend Johnny. That's on his parents. Shame on them. Yeah. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Colton Berry. Is that how it is? Or is it Colton and Berry? You know what the thing is? I think that Jonathan Colton Berry is, like, is someone that the Queen of England would knight. You know what? That John John Coltonberry was at one point like in line for the throne, not even knighted, but he was like third in line for the throne. And I think he changed his name from Jonathan to John to like give that up. 
he stepped away they, from that for Scooby. They cut him out. Yeah, he's he said, you know, I, I respect this. I want to be here for Mother England, but I need to go make Scooby-Doo content. Really, I, I think the reason we say Jonathan Colton Berry is because he's a knight in our eyes. Exactly that. We feel like we need to we need to elevate his title a little bit. Um, Sir Jonathan Colton Berry. Lord Jonathan Colton Berry. The Scooby Duke. Ah, there you go. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we put so much emphasis on rule of threes. I'm just sitting here, like, waiting. <laughs> like, well, we'll wait ten minutes, but we will not stop. Uh, but really, John Colton Berry has created an incredible series here that I personally love. He's hit us up on Twitter before, even to say, like, hey, thanks for talking about us on the po- about me and the series on the podcast, which is a pleasure. And as we've said elsewhere, his series kind of spawned the podcast in a way. Yeah, I. And, yeah, it's it's really and, unfair that "Be Cool Scooby Doo" was cut off uh, so short. In fact, I believe that the length of this out of this intro is longer than the entirety of uh, of both seasons. <laughs> it's certainly longer than the boardroom meeting uh, set to discuss how to air "Be Cool Scooby Doo." Uh, it's it's sad, but look, look, go give it your love. Uh, go give it your interest. This is a series that's recent. It's fresh. It's hot. Um, you know, who knows what other content uh, Johnny Colty Berry could be tapped to produce if we um, show enough interest. And with all that said, we should mention this is episode 28 of Scooby Dudes. It's season one, episode two of Be Cool Scooby Doo uh, Game of Chicken is the name of the episode. If you can go out and find it and watch it. Right, yes. Are we, are we keeping all of that? Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. This episode goes out to our man, who I respect so much, I'm going to say his name correctly, John Colton Berry. Thank you for sponsoring this episode, really. I am legitimately shocked. That I didn't mispronounce his name? That that wasn't a bit. <laughs> I'm taken aback. I, I don't think I've said his name correctly yet on the show, so give him that respect. He has created the, the show that sp- spawned this podcast, really. So, John Colton Berry, thank you for allowing us to review Be Cool Scooby-Doo Season 1, Episode 2 game of chicken i thought you were gonna say something like launched a thousand ships but you know what overwatch is the game that has launched a thousand ships you mean like uh, fan ship <laughs> yeah mm. my very quick aside my favorite it's not soldier 76 reaper which i think is kind of played out it's it's hanzo um mccree mchanzo mchanzo's my favorite mchanzo yeah okay what's mine i think mine is mercy junkrat are you serious? Yeah. They're opposites. And also... That is I, terrible. You know, I, like... I only play as Junkrat, so there's a little bit of personal bias in there. Although if it was completely uh, personal, it would be a Junkrat tracer ship, which is also impractical, I know. Unless Junkrat is actually a lesbian. There's there's one that I really liked um, that was Junkrat Symmetra, Ooh. and which I, I think really worked because they are, in fact, polar opposites, where she's really like obsessed with order. And um, he's very chaotic. She's obsessed with order. I always kind of imagine her as kind of a chaotic person. But it makes sense. You, like a hacker, you're all obsessed with rules. And... Oh, no. Uh, so- sorry. Symmetra, not Sombra. Oh, um, excuse me. That's my confusion. Because I was thinking Sombra and Junkrat would be very much like, that's the same. Symmetra and Junkrat, I do like. I like that in the same way I like Junkrat Mercy. 
I'm, I'll, I'll send you some fan art. It's, it's so appropriate that we're covering this because uh, Jonathan Colton Berry is a, uh, a mercy man. <laughs> John Colton Berry. We've said it too many times. I now want him as a friend. I just, honestly, it now, Jonathan Colton Berry is now what sounds right to me. I, I have to force myself to say John Colton Berry, and even then I still feel like I'm doing something wrong. Is it John Coltberry? John Colton Bear? John Colton Berry. Colt Baratheon. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm never going to remember what it really is. We should mention, uh, again, we're covering Season 1, Episode 2 of Be Cool, Scooby-Doo, the most recent cartoon iteration of Scooby-Doo. My, personally, probably my favorite Scooby-Doo series to date. Yeah, it not not so much the show that launched The Thousand Ships as it is the show that launched this podcast. Mm-hmm. I think we've said as much in the past. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw an episode of this, I shared it with you, we both thought it was so incredible, it prompted us to start talking about Scooby-Doo personally, and then start recording that, and then start releasing that. And here we are. And honestly, the biggest, most significant challenge to uh, to you and I, to us as podcast hosts, isn't talking about Overwatch for longer than we should. It's not covering every time, every like minute detail of this episode because it's it's hard when you enjoy so much of something to not gush about it. Yeah, it's almost like trying to talk about a great stand-up special on air. You don't want to skip over any of the solid jokes because, like, the whole thing... You need every piece to get a picture of the whole. And any episode of Be Cool Scooby-Doo has so... Every moment has a great gag in it. Such that we're going to have to skip over a lot just to keep this episode under two hours. Uh, you know, forget it. Let's go over two hours. Let's unshackle ourselves, brother. I don't edit this podcast, so you (laughs) do whatever you want. Under an hour. Uh... So what are we going to try and focus on to keep this episode honed in, to keep it targeted? Well, one thing that I, di- I think I did want to touch on um, is this idea of Scooby and Shaggy's relationship. And then that with that being sort of like the primary focus and the secondary focus being um, Fred and his character development. Because I think that this is a really significant... I think there's a really big, like... Um, development of like fred's character yeah character development fred's character being developed yeah i think the the first episode the previous episode that we saw had a good bit on scooby and shaggy who being the emotional core of this show we're gonna see repeatedly it also focused i think primarily on velma very interestingly the very first ever episode of this series and here i think we pivot a bit more to fred and we learn a little bit more about him so it is a dude heavy episode scooby shaggy and fred i think take center stage and the ladies have fantastic parts to play but there's maybe a little bit less of an arc there i mean it's it's a great if you consider the first and second episodes together and and i think what we're going to be doing is following these episodes did you want to do them chronologically it's i, I think I i'd like to because yeah. i don't want to miss anything and i i do think there is a progression you you definitely see that um it's it's focusing on characters and it's really it's really fleshing them out um the first episode we did, shoot, I don't have a tab open. Almost 10 episodes ago, or actually 10 episodes ago, which is impressive on our parts that we're pacing it out this much considering how much we love this series. Oh, dang. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Every 10 episodes. Hmm, okay. All right, so um, so the last time, yeah, so the last time we covered this was 10 episodes ago, uh, episode 18. So um, back in that episode, yeah, there was this focus on Velma, 
uh, because it was all about her and her education, which makes sense because, you know, when you think of Velma, you think of her as the brainy one. Yeah, we think of her as the smart one in the group, and it, it was also kind of significant because the prospect was that she was going to go off to college, leaving the rest of the gang behind. So the show kind of started out with the possibility of the gang splitting up. Of course, they don't. They stay together at the end of that episode, but it's still a, a significant arc for Velma for us to see why she... Because that's probably the biggest question in the whole series, even more so than why do Scooby and Shaggy stay with the group, given they're cowards. It's why does Velma stay with the group, given the fact that she's not an idiot? Uh, like I said, the relationship that I do want to focus on, and really, the number one character is Fred. But I did just want to... Uh, I just I did want to touch on Scooby and Shaggy because of its connection to a previous episode that we've done and and sort of like following that through and seeing how their relationship is treated their relationship also does take probably the the second seat in this episode um so we'll we'll focus on those primarily i do have a couple thoughts on velma and daphne that uh, i think will come up throughout the series or excuse me throughout the episode any other thoughts on what we want to do we want to set the scene or just dive right in Let's dive right in, and then when we, we get to Scooby and Shaggy, we can uh, and I'll I'll sort of harken back and c- connect the dots. Okay. Well, we open up not with a theme song, not with the gang, not even with the villain, but with Chuck uh, recording some found footage. And I gotta say, I think the format of found footage works so well for comedy. I think that's I I love found footage comedy shorts, sketches, movies. Is there a lot of found? found footage there's not i think it's only used in like snippets and like uh never pop star never stop never stopping um that's like um mockumentary mockumentary yeah no you're right mockumentary is different i guess i'm lumping those in together because i'm sure there has to be there has i mean like i haven't i don't know how much of it i've seen i'm sure college humor has done like a handful of like found footage sketches i i'm sure you're right i can't imagine that's not the case i just searched found footage comedy and there's literally nothing. Are you, are you serious? <laughs> like, all of the, the things that pop open are just straight-up horror films. That's legitimately... Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very taken aback by that. If only because it makes sense that it would be a good vehicle for jokes. Yeah, and I, I think it's most obvious that it would be a really good horror movie thing. Like a... a oh gosh, what? why can't I think of The Witch... Um, uh, the Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project, like being the prototypical example, but I, it makes so much sense for comedy, and it works really well with this opening. I'm sorry to stretch it out so long, but again, we open up on Chuck, a uh, a longtime friend of Fred's, um, recording himself in this cavern. I do like it's very. Um, I don't always like this terminology because I think it's played out, but it's very like dude broy, his whole like persona. He is, and I, I find the dude bro persona, that's probably my favorite character to play. And he's a particular kind of dude bro. He's like the backpacking, uh, hiking through Europe adventure bro, where he's got a bandana, two stripes around his arm. that They look like tattoos, but they're actually just like rags tied on there. He's got a chin beard and two earrings on each side, like a double pirate. Dude, chin beards. Uh, how appropriate that we bring up chin beards here in this month of November, which is uh, most notable for its celebration of the... Uh, the upper lip beard. Hmm. Is oh, Movember mustache. Mo, I thought isn't it no shave November? Yeah, it, they're both. They're they're sort of oh, like both, they've yeah. become very tied together. I just think it's funny. Unrelated. You called it. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's funny that you called it a chin beard. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. But no, it's like the chin. How how do you call that? Like it's just on the chin. It's a it's like a goatee. It's a goatee. It's a goatee, but not long, which I guess is what I imagine a goatee as. So a soul yeah. patch. Well, I guess it. 
a combination. BT Dubs, I was trying to learn how to play Smash Mouth on the guitar last night, and I was watching the music video of it. The lead man for Smash Mouth has the thinnest pencil beard I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Like, it could be one hair that stretches from one earlobe to the other, as far as, like, how skinny it oh, is. Oh, you're talking about, um, like, a, a chin strap. Chin strap. Not even a chin strap, but, like, chin dental floss. It's so funny. I thought you were talking about, um, a soul patch, but thin. Which made me think of it as like I don't know if you want to edit this out, but like a landing strip of sorts, just like, <laughs> but like, but like to his mouth. Do you know what I mean? Like if someone was feeding him like a baby. <laughs> yes, I was thinking <laughs> a landing strip. For... <laughs> They'd bring the spoon in. And here's the here's the plant coming in for a landing, and uh, yeah, the front man of Smash Mouth would then open wide his jaw and accept this uh, this offering. Somebody once told him the world was going to feed him. That's a, actually a really fun song to cover. I dig it. Um, we open up on Chuck recording himself about to dive into this cave uh, that looks like the Cave of Wonders from Aladdin, but with a chicken-shaped opening rather than a tiger-shaped opening. That's essentially, I think, what it is. Yeah. He goes inside. There's a lot of, like... It's it's very like Mesoamerican in design, but again, chickens are sort of the uh, the thematic element that runs throughout, and you you get a little bit of an idea of his relationship with Fred because at one point he spray paints on the cave wall. Fred Jones was here, and and then he chastises Fred because this video is going out to Fred. He's recording it for Fred. He's like, Fred, you should have more respect for history. <laughs> And he's just like, he's recklessly jumping over these chasms, vaulting over with bamboo. There's bamboo here as well. Where on earth is this? Enough, but... Um, no, it's, it's true. There, It's bamboo in what is ostensibly North America, but inside, inside of a cave. Inside of a cave, <laughs> that, This is a remarkable, uh, this remarkable biome. Uh, Chuck is just adventuring down here again. It's all going out to Fred. Uh, and, and as you would expect from like found footage i mean as you would expect from the specific genre or medium or whatever it does end with him with something terrible happening just off camera like that's sort of the in cloverfields yeah cloverfield style we don't see what's off camera we only see something chasing him and we see the glow behind him and him like running away trying to send the video to fred which is pretty funny on its own when he's trying to punch in fred's email the last shot we see of his camera after he sends it to the to after he emails it to Fred, um, which which really dates this in a good way, in that he's able to mm. email Fred a video from the video camera. That's like yeah. I I also this is a, such a specific joke, but I love it almost anywhere it happens. But people panickedly like in a really big hurry with high stakes trying to do technology, um, like uh, right click, open, uh, click send, uh, attach file. Oh shoot, it's coming on. I I really like that, especially him being like. Uh, what's your email, Fred? Mystery man Fred at webnet. Why do you have such a long email? Uh, so, so wait, specifically in comedy, you enjoy it. I I enjoy specific references to technology and comedy. Like anytime a joke is predicated on specific functions in Word or Excel, is an automatic laugh from me. Because I thought you were talking specifically about like um, file file sharing. And I was like, oh man, Rogue One must have been your favorite movie of 2016. I still haven't seen Rogue One, so... It's, I um, mean, that is what it is. It's it's a very complex file share. <laughs> and wasn't it like a, also a big advertisement for the Galaxy S6? All the characters keep pressing their <laughs> phones backs against each other to transfer the critical information. 
Um, oh, this is so uh, so off track. Th- edit this out, but I just it's just like a it's just a technological daisy chain. It's just. <laughs> I love the term daisy chain. But really, no, like, that kind of specific stuff with current technology it kills me every time, and so I love that appearing here. But as we were saying, Chuck ultimately is, does seem to be caught and fall victim to whatever is chasing him. The camera lands on the ground, and kind of at an angle, we see it's not being operated anymore. It's just recording idly. The monster, which is like a person with a mask for a body or covering the entire body pops in front like a maasai warrior almost well ma- the maasai warriors don't wear masks like i think they just have like face paint um you're right i think i'm thinking of another african tribe that's maybe even made up no no there are definitely african tribes with like large masks um i i i'm trying to think of like <laughs> not to like anything in reality but like in video games aren't there like uh, like in crash bandicoot Crash Bandicoot is what comes to mind. Aku Aku. Yeah, um, but basically, it's it's a um, the entirety of their torso, like their torso and like their groin area, it's all covered by this immense mask, of a, like a blue. It's like a blue like chicken face, and I think what really works for comedic effect, and not at all for like for scares, is that this mask is like grimacing. It's like a it's a it's a it's an avian grimace. Or, or a scowl, I guess. It's scowling. And I think I think that makes it really funny. Um, You're right. It is a, 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 like, sternly frowning beak for a mouth. I don't know how I missed that, because it's a very chicken-centric episode. Yeah, I, it's just... When... If you have a villain or if you have any character that is only allowed to show one emotion, that already is, like, ripe for, for humor. And that's most, I think, early Scooby-Doo villains, is they really only make one face. Uh, it, it is also notable that... Um, as far as we know, this is not like a ghost. It's just a guy. It looks like, like a guy. I think we do later find out it's the spirit of the uh, Zatari warrior. The, the Zatari warrior spirit, at least in I, theory. I guess that's true, but they just but after that, they just refer to it like as the warrior. And that's really that's the whole opening, is we get a brief glimpse of this glowing Zatari warrior, and then we cut to the intro. The intro's great, I love it for Be Cool. And then we hit the episode, and it opens up beyond that with the end of a mystery i always love that kind of intro um that was the case in uh a scooby-doo halloween Mm -hmm. of um what's new scooby-doo i believe it was yep uh and it's just this sort of and then the beginning of the 2002 scooby-doo movie in media res you know it's showing them at the tail end of another mystery and it's establishing this is what they do and it's it's not uncommon for them to solve mysteries so here's yeah it establishes the norm and it's kind of needed because in the last episode we didn't have them there was little acknowledgement of the fact that they regularly solve mysteries until they went and solved one we didn't see that it's their regular habit and so i like that they introduced that here i also really like the (laughs) the gag in this mystery if we can briefly cover yeah it's it is them um it's them trying to recount this guy's scheme but it's not very riveting yeah, Vilma's like, and so, since the water turned out to be 47 feet deep instead of 42, we know that the monster was using Imperial and not metric, and therefore it had to be Old Man Jenkins or someone like that. And it's a dude in, like, a deep diving costume who's, like, being flanked by two police officers. Yeah, it's a it's a callback to uh, to an old-school Scooby-Doo villain. Because mm. uh, it, it is um, a diving suit, like, with the big, like, globe... Yeah, just diving? Is that I don't know if there's another I guess for diving it. helmet. It looks like what um Jermaine Clement wears in the new Legion series. 
Everyone yawns because it's such a boring mystery. Even the villain apologizes for it being so boring. I'm sorry, it was more interesting on paper, guys. Apparently, I looked it up on the wiki. On the wiki, he was either he was trying to raise or lower the water level to like get at some treasure, and that was like his plan. How did you find that? That's nowhere in the episode. How did the wiki it's guy figure not, that it's out? It's what the wiki. It's what the wiki says. The wiki I, made that up. <laughs> this guy is totally editorializing. <laughs> You're calling him out. I am. I'm afraid I am. Um, everyone is so bored by this mystery that when Fred gets the video of Chuck that Chuck sent him, the whole gang is like, oh, man, let's get out of here. The two cops are like, yeah, yeah let's go. Let's go along with him. Everyone leaves the villain behind, and they just go off to this new mystery. Yeah, I did like that. I, I did think it was funny. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try as much as much as I love everything in this episode. I am going to try to, like, fast forward through it parts and sort of hit the highlights but it is impossible to ignore the highlight of the what is he like a like a ranger like a like a forest ranger the ranger i think his name is larry he's voiced by frank welker who also voices fred who is perhaps one of my top three favorite voice actors of all time um and he is incredible his gag is kills me every time okay we're gonna hit we're gonna hit the best bits and this is undoubtedly one of the best bits it's so funny we need to but before we get there if i can briefly touch on this when they're in the mystery machine there's a couple of details that i found fascinating not really related to this episode as a whole but in the mystery machine fred of course is driving in the passenger seat is velma um not daphne daphne shaggy and scooby are all in the back which i think is a little interesting because fred and velma are really the mystery solvers here daphne is more the comedic relief along right. with scooby and shaggy so just kind of interesting how they categorize them there. And I also have to say, I like that in this version of the Mystery Machine, we see the technology that Fred has built into it all over the place. For one thing, there's a screen that pops out of the dashboard. We see some gadgets on the wall and in the back. <laughs> Super dangerous, by the Super way. Super dangerous. Yeah, they're watching, they're watching Chuck's video, and it's not like a, a family minivan, which would have a TV in the ceiling, which you would pull back down for the kids. Which, prospectively, the driver couldn't see. Like, this is almost for it's, the driver's yeah. viewing pleasure. This is in the dashboard, and Fred is looking at it and not at the road. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess I just like that we see the technology. We see it in the Mystery Machine before it's even needed. Like, it doesn't come into play beyond that, but we see, like, gadgets in the back, on the walls. I really love that. And I, I do think it's very interesting that Velma's seated up with Freddy. Ultimately, with this show, this is maybe something we'll talk about another time, but I, I feel like Velma and Freddy are very shipworthy. Interesting. And and Scooby and uh, <laughs> Scooby is shipworthy with no one. And Shaggy and Daphne are very shipworthy. Simply, their dynamics mesh so much in a very different way than in the originals. I sorry, I'm taking us a little off topic there. No, no. Um, looking at this, I had to say no something. No worries. Uh, you were going to talk about Park Ranger Larry. Is it, okay? Did you look it up? Is his name Larry? Because I'm pretty sure it's not. Oh, uh, let me check it and see. <laughs> it looks like. His name is Park Ranger. <laughs> Someone else must have been named Larry in this episode. Park Ranger, voiced by Frank Welker, my favorite character in this episode. He appears when they're about to go into the cave. And I will say that <clears throat> this is something I don't want to devote a large amount of time to. It is funny. It is a gag that appears throughout. Um, but I think it's worth noting here and then sort of maybe not noting every consecutive instance. Is um, we've, we've really praised and I'll say it correctly, John Colton Barry, and him imbuing Daphne with a lot of personality with these... She sort of does something different every episode. She's that person... I really like this kind of character appearing in the series where she's got a new hobby every episode. She's got too many interests, but whenever she gets one, she's fully invested in it. 
it's uh, some people really are like that, and it's kind of a beautiful thing. So um, on the Scooby Wiki, it refers to these as Daphneisms. Hmm. Um, but from what I've seen from uh, Mr. Barry himself on like Twitter, is he he's dubbed this um, or these the Daphne du jour, mm, Daphne of the day, uh, or, or Daphne of the day. Uh, and in this case, the Daphne of the day is her narrating what's happening in the moment like david attenborough style yes and and she does that throughout this this whole episode it's enjoyable it's a great extra aspect of flavor it gives another dimension but we don't have time to mention every time it happens just like you said um one more thing before we meet unnamed park ranger why we learn a little bit about fred's relationship with chuck as they're on their way Fred and Chuck are longtime friends, and they used to go adventuring together. Which which makes sense. I mean, if there's anything that Fred would be able to connect with another human being about, yeah, it's going on adventures. Yeah, and the the interesting thing, aside from the fact that Fred has another friend who he's adventured with, is that they're different in their adventuring style, Chuck and Fred. Chuck has always been very danger, like, lusting for danger and adventure. and not Very, very daring, very, like, um, driven or... Uh... He, he acts on impulse. Flies by the seat of his pants, whereas Fred is a planner. We all know Fred loves traps. Fred loves uh, looking at clues and trying to figure stuff out. Um, so Yeah, you, he, mm-hmm. he creates a plan. You can't, you can't make a trap. You don't trap someone suddenly. Yeah. Right? You, you set up a trap. It's methodical. And that's how Fred is. And so we see a little bit of the, the, the difference between Fred and Chuck here. And Fred's going to save Chuck. He knows Chuck must be in trouble because Chuck has never asked for help in his life. So for Chuck to be asking for Fred's help now means he really needs it. And Fred wants to be there. And throughout the episode, Fred also kind of wants... He's a bit envious of Chuck's uh, carefree, lackadaisical, and yet adventurous nature. Fred wishes he could let go like that. Yeah. He feels a little bit... Like a stick in the mud, almost. Just just by comparison. Even though he's no doubt the most adventurous of the whole group group here, his new crew. Yeah. Which is maybe why he wants to be that member in this new crew. Like, almost if you're in a relationship where you have no power and, like, the other person has all the agency, once that relationship is over, you might choose another relationship with someone who gives you all the power and all the agency. You, 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 can, make a, you can make a name for yourself, and I think that's what he's done or trying to do sure so they get to the cave there's a park ranger there who says hey you guys can't go in here it's way too dangerous and fred's like oh but my friend is in there oh okay enough said go ahead in it's oh my gosh it kills me because then he stops him he's like wait your dog doesn't isn't wearing a leash and shaggy's like no 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 look it's it's, scooby doesn't need a leash (laughs) and the park ranger's like yeah all right fair enough (laughs) enough said go on go ahead on in and and I think Fred protests. He's like, wait, shouldn't you be trying to stop us and, like, tell us not to do this? No, look, your friend's in there. You got to save him. Go, go, go. Don't you care about him? Here in Ontario, uh, you're, they only sell a liquor store in, like, select stores. They're called LCBOs, which stands for, like, Liquor Control Board of Ontario. Um, and there's this one LCBO I go to down on Queen Street hmm. um, where I buy stuff and the lady behind the counter, like, doesn't card me. Did she card you at first such that she could feasibly just keep remembering you she's, from the first she's time? She's never carded me. Ooh. And also, at one point, my brother and I were buying alcohol, and my brother looks significantly younger than me. And I look young. Yeah. And I'm just like, and I want, I wanted to, every time I go there, in the moment, I want to be like, hey, don't you want to see my ID? It's bad enough they didn't card you. Listeners, if you don't know, Evan doesn't look his age. I think you look very youthful. That's going to help you later in life a lot. So I, I do think there's that, that humor or that comedy there where, like, both Fred and I are just like, 
hey, are you like, are you sure? Like I, I'm already like in the moment reaching for my ID and then she doesn't ask for it. You know, he's, Fred is already preemptively being like, hey, you can't tell us not to, <laughs> what? What? Come on. Fred's your friend. He's stuck in there. Didn't you say? Come on. Don't you care about your friend? It's like, I, shouldn't you care about my safety? It's that kind of thing where it's like, I do want you to give me a pass, but I don't want you to give everyone a pass. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Um, so they go ahead and march on into the cave. We learn a little bit about the Zatari people that used to live in here, about the uh, the ancient culture. It's kind of road to El Dorado ish. Yeah, like like I think I mes- mentioned earlier, like a Mesoamerican, um, and and we get this lovely little narration from Daphne, who's typically the one who like fills in the blanks, explains the history. Velma. Or, yeah. Yes, my my mistake, Velma. And I think it's, I mean, it's obviously funny that they revered the chicken above all all things they they revered the chicken so much they thought the chicken was the wisest the strongest the fiercest um just the best all-around animals so they built an underground like dwelling filled with traps and treasure uh in which they would all praise the chicken full disclosure for our listeners i've not taken any notes this is unprecedented Uh, i believe velma says never has a civilization so misunderstood the chicken. Yeah, that's exactly what she says. Like, it's, it's amazing for such a big organ. Yeah, they totally don't get what a chicken is, but they worship it immensely. And apparently, these people have pretty much all died off. They no one has seen one of these Zatari people for over two hundred years. Um. So yeah, they go into the cave, uh, and and they're going to meet another character who we will touch on. But now is when we sort of unpack what's going on between Scooby and Shaggy. Because mm. we remember the park ranger said, you need to wear a leash, Scooby. Shaggy says, no, he doesn't. Okay, that's all good. You guys can go right on in. But Shaggy's still dwelling on that once they're inside. He's like, man, I, hey, why do I have, why is this guy getting on my case? I'm a responsible dog owner. Uh, and Scooby's like, dog, dog owner? Yeah, and, and Shaggy's like, yeah, don't you get it? Like, I, I take good care of my dog. And Scooby's like, your dog? Your dog? Oh, you know what I mean, Scooby. Do you? <laughs> And so, it, and it is something that I don't think has ever been addressed explicitly up to this episode. Not that I can remember. Which is that are Scooby and Shaggy like owner and pet or Bud and Bud? I think yeah. It it is. It's why I wanted to uh, to just focus in on this, devote a couple minutes to it. Um, because back in Wedding Bell Booze, I don't know if it was like a big deal, but I I called attention to the fact that Mister um, and Mrs. Rogers appear to own Dada and. What was the mother's name? Mama Do. Dada and Mama Do, something like that. Uh, in spite of the fact that Dada and Mama Do were obviously higher class and better off than, than yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Rogers. But just the idea that, like, yeah, like we own. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this, there's, there seems to be like an owner, uh, an owner, pet relationship here, even extending as far as um as Gaggy, <laughs> Gaggy Rogers. Gaggy Rogers. And, uh, and whoopsie do. And and yeah, it is weird because I think in almost every iteration, the, um, they're, uh, they are portrayed as friends. If you go to um, What a Night for a Night, the very first episode ever of Scooby-Doo, Scooby and Shaggy are walking home from a movie. Together. And it was a movie that was Star the Wonder Dog or something like that. In other words, it, a movie that probably Scooby wanted to see. And they're, and they're walking side by side from a movie, and you would never think that like, oh... You know, like, this owner took his pet to a movie. They definitely saw it together. Like, they didn't take... Mm-hmm. One did not take the other. 
they both went. It's like so, if you and I went to see a movie, they would be like, oh, there's Evan taking Luke to a movie. <laughs> it's so nice for Luke to, Luke to take his Evan to a movie. No, yeah, no one would say that. Uh, so, so leading up to this episode, I don't think we had anything that really indicates Scooby's um, pet status uh, beneath Shaggy. Aside from the fact that Scooby wears a collar, which is pretty normal, but Scooby's sentient. It feels kind of wrong for an intelligent creature uh, on the intelligence level of humans to be owned by a human. So, yeah, Scooby is... he's insulted. He, he doesn't like that Shaggy has sort of proclaimed the fact that he's his owner. And it's... And it's not just... yeah. And it's not just that Scooby feels offended, it's that Shaggy is unrepentant. He doesn't acknowledge the hurt that he's caused to Scooby, and so Scooby says, I can find a new friend. Um, and that's what sort of... I, I don't know how closely I want to keep track of that, but that goes... Scooby goes from, like, um, from gang member... It's always weird for me to say that. Gang member to gang member, um, just sort of, like, testing out his compatibility with yeah, them. Yeah, and l- let's just hit it right now so we don't have to return to it, uh, taken away from the rest of the episode. He, he... It's, it's Velma first, the first person that he goes to because... Well, actually, it's Daphne first. Um, oh, my gosh. Okay, I knew that. I'm just... I keep getting the names mixed up. No worries. Um, so he goes to Daphne first um, because he's like, oh, Daphne's fun. Like, I can get along fine with Daphne. Not a bad idea. Like, but Daphne is cool and fun. Yeah, he's looking for a buddy. Um, and then it turns out, because we're sort of, like, speeding through this, um, that some chips get wet, and Daphne does not consider this a big deal, um, which leads to a very funny exchange where uh, she says they're just chips, and Scooby repeats just chips, uh, but in slow motion. <laughs> Yeah, because they're not. There's no such thing as just any food to Scooby, and so obviously he can't be friends with Daphne. He then tries to befriend Velma for her sense of humor, which is um, because yeah, uh, Shaggy's saying that like, oh, you need someone who values snacks and mm-hmm. and and who's fun, and so uh, Scooby's like, uh, Velma's fun, and he. It's, yeah. it's one it, it turns out Velma's not fun, despite Scooby's attempts to force laughter at everything Velma says. Yeah, it's one of those situations and, where yeah. someone will say something, and another person, and I've seen this in various sitcoms, will sort of, like, slap their knee and, like, guffaw over what was just a statement. The, the weird thing is that if Scooby had gone to Daphne for laughs and Velma for food, he would have been disappointed with Velma, but he probably would have been very pleased with Daphne. Um, but whatever the case, Velma obviously does not give Scooby the genuine guffaws he wants. So Scooby then again is like, well, you know, I, I need another friend. Still not ready to go back to Shaggy. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby at, at this point have sort of realized that they're both scared. They're both scaredy cats at heart. So Scooby's like, oh, well, if I'm going to find a buddy, I'm going to find someone brave, i.e. Fred. Kind of interesting that here he wants someone who's dissimilar to Shaggy. And so he goes to Fred. Yeah, he sees the deficit in uh, in his his be- his... Mm. Former best bud. Yeah, he sees an opportunity for a symbiotic relationship, or at least parasitic. Um, and uh, and he goes after Fred. Obviously, that doesn't work out. Shaggy and Scooby are ultimately best friended back together. Um, but that's that takes place throughout the course of this episode. That's the uh, this plot, the B story that happens underneath the exploration of these caves. But do you and just because because I, I want to cap that. Um, mm. Do you think? I, I guess you. I guess you think, or you and I, to speak for both of us, think that it's important that Scooby never be portrayed explicitly as being Shaggy's property. I think that's important. It's if Scooby was okay with it, if Scooby didn't mind being, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Shaggy's pet, then it would be more okay. But them being equals is kind of necessary to maintain the dynamic that 
works so well, not just here, but in every Scooby-Doo series. I think at the very least, we have to not acknowledge the fact that Scooby is Shaggy's pet. Even if he is, we have to pretend that's not the case. Like, we're Huckleberry and... F- we're Huckleberry, Finn, and Jim best friends. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, that's not a... Do we want to do that? Do we want to go Huckleberry Finn? That's all I can... I can't think... Like, I can't think of another comparison well, did where... You, yeah. I mean, did you know that in a lot of American schools, Scooby-Doo is now banned reading? <laughs> you can't access this stuff. Whereas I think you should... We should still watch Scooby-Doo in schools and... And just, like, tell people that some of the language used is from a different time. I wish that... I said that as a joke because Scooby-Doo has never been racist, but then I realized that that's not a joke. <laughs> yeah, Scooby-Doo has definitely been racist. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was your question? Um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted, I just wanted to sort of, like, uh, come to a close on, on that whole idea, the, mm. the pet, the pet uh, owner relish, as it were. Scooby is not Shaggy's pet to me. I don't think uh, they know, they don't do anything that pets and owners do together. Like rub like Scooby Shaggy will rub Scooby's belly. In fact, one of the demeaning things that really turns Scooby off is that Shaggy like gives him like a ruffle like pat on the head, and that's like a very demeaning thing to do to an equal. Well, like Daphne does it a little bit later, and it I the thing is I watched it and I was like this is kind of nice. Like I like it when people are f- physically affectionate with me and to with each other. <laughs> Evan, are you just, you're crying, man? You're click, gripping yourself. Click aside. I, Evan, set down the body pillow. Set down the anime body pillow. Uh, I'm sorry. Is this is this Rurune, Rurune Kenshin uh, body pillow not doing it for you? Do you not appreciate his lustrous red hair and X-shaped scar on one cheek? You, okay, you know I appreciate that, but you will never be the sheath for a pillow that size. <laughs> Oh my goodness! The, that is a Rurouni Kenshin. Yeah, deep it's a Rurouni Kenshin OVA. It's not even the show. OVA, yeah. Great animation though. Very I mean, that beautiful. was sick. Scooby and Shaggy are not pet and owner because they need to be equals, and the pet owner relationship is by nature unequal. Well, I guess, and and I'm sorry to keep coming back to this. Um, is there is there a comparison in other fictional media? where an owner and a pet have such a strong relationship that you would consider them on par with Scooby and Shaggy. Because I feel like there must be. But where the relationship is explicitly owner and pet. That's your question. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, just some ideas off the top of my head. Um, Aladdin and Abu. Um, very much equals, not pet owner. More like brothers than anything else. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess you would never call Abu Aladdin's pet. Because... I mean, Abu kind of sucks as, like, a pet. Yeah, like... Right? He he takes the enormous drool and almost kills them when they're in the Cave of Wonders. No, a, he's a partner in crime more than even a friend. He's, like, a partner. Either family or, like, biz, like work partner, I think. Uh, another example that just pops to mind, not because it's a perfect example, it's just there. Uh, Steven Universe's lion is a pet, but kind of like a cat, like, very independent, I wouldn't call a lion Steven's friend, though. He's not. He's more like Steven's ally. Right? And um, how about Lilo and Stitch? Is Stitch not explicitly presented as being Lilo's pet? Stitch is a weird example because Stitch is more animal than most animals. I don't think that's true. No? Well, not more than most animals. I think he's more like violent, impulsive, messy, sloppy. 
drooly. I guess I don't like Stitch. <laughs> you, oh man, I love that movie. It's one of my favorites. I thought it was okay. Yeah. Mm. I think for this to be successful in a cartoon, they have to be equals, and the pet owner relationship is not one of the equals. And that's why this is an interesting exploration, ultimately. How about this? Mm. Uh, listeners, reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook or via email and let us know, because it's obviously not coming on to us right now, what pet owner relationship stands strong enough to be held in comparison with Scooby and Shaggy. Because I believe there has to be numerous examples. Yes. Or at least answer this for us. Is Scooby Shaggy's pet? Conversely, is Shaggy Scooby's master? Master is like... That, that's what... That is not a nice word, right? Even if you say, yes, Scooby is Shaggy's pet, very few people, I think, would say Shaggy is Scooby's master. Yeah, that's, that, that's some terminology that I'm not very comfortable with. Okay, so let's let's put a close on that. I'm glad I'm actually glad we're able to just talk through it a little bit. Um yeah, and I think the rest of the episode will go a little bit more smoothly as we're diving into this. We we'll meet a couple more characters and we're going to hit the climax pretty fast. I mean, if we're not if we're not hitting every single gag and for our listeners, however you can find a way like not however you can, but like find a way to watch the show. If you're Canadian, you don't have an excuse. And I mean this because it's on Netflix. And if you don't have a friend who's willing to let you mooch off their Netflix, do you have friends? Get a friend, first and foremost, or at least ask your master if you can use his or her Netflix. Boy. Uh, but yeah, check it out. It, it's a great episode. Um, let's, let's hit the other character that shows up. Uh, the other character that shows up, what's his... He's a Zatari warrior, the last of his people. And, and what's his name again? <laughs> Uh, his name is, <clears throat> correct me if I'm mispronouncing this, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know what, that's not for comedic effect, I just need more water, it's Rick. No, that's not it, no. I'm it's... pretty sure I'm saying it properly. No, it's Rick. <clears throat> Rick. No, 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 okay, here, do it with me. Wrong. Rick. And that's essentially what Rick does to them. I love that part. Especially because Velma says, like, no, I think I can get the name right. I'm pretty good at linguistics. I, I like that it was a setup, um, you know, the Monty Python and the, whole, and the Holy Grail? Yeah. Uh, the... Where there's the wizard, and he reveals that his name is Tim. Mm. And that's funny. Like, it's funny for someone to be like, oh, you're never going to get this. Or, or it's like, it, this is a really... Uh, impressive or powerful name and it's a very like it's like Doug or yeah. something like that so, yeah so when Rick is like uh, I'm the last of the Zatari people you'll never be able to pronounce my name it's Rick but but then they go that, that step farther further um, and, and they uh, have everyone sound out and try to say it and him rebut them at every point and he's like borderline disgusted with their inability to pronounce his name such that when he's walking away and Fred's trying to get more help from him Fred's like wait no Rick 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 uh, he turns back and he's all like, are you, are you trying to talk to me? You must not be, or you'd say my name. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rick's, Rick's wonderful. Um, he, he basically explains to them that um, the Zatari warrior spirit, spirit of the Zatari warrior, it only attacks people uh, who are trying to get the treasure. So there's this whole idea that there's a treasure that, uh, that is within these, um, these temple ruins. And that's why, that must be why it got Chuck, because Chuck was seeking the treasure. Um, 
So the gang hears that from Rick. Rick tells them to turn around and go back, but the gang does not heed that warning. In fact, Fred goes the most dangerous route he can find under the belief that that's the route that uh, Chuck would have gone. Yeah, along the way, you really... There is this much tighter focus on Fred. Like, they have to escape from this from this warrior at one point by jumping into water that is far too shallow. Because they... They fall, I want to say, like, 10 stories. At least. I would say 20 stories minimum. So this... Into water, which is, I think that's terminal depth. Yeah, I think you die. One way or another. Regardless, yeah, like, the water would break your body, regardless of how deep it is. And this water does not appear to be deep at all. It's like a wade pool. <laughs> it's almost like a, when you dive into a piece of wa- into a spot of water in a video game, no matter how high the drop is, you just bob in as if you were dropped from a foot uh, above. So... Fred finds that, like, super exhilarating. He's just like, what a rush, because he's not that kind of adventurer. And then later... Yeah, he's taking all these risks, like, just trying to dive over this uh, gap and all this stuff, and the rest of the gang is being methodical and getting through it safely, but Fred is pretending that he loves doing it Chuck's way. And, and I, you know, I believe that that initial, like, jump, like, gave him this rush and that he enjoyed it, but it's not... And it's not to say that he can't do that kind of thing, but it's that he's ignoring... He's, he's almost willful, willfully ignoring the more practical ways of doing things. And, and he's hearing advice on the more practical way of doing things from Velma. I think his second-in-command and the person who I would ship for Fred all day long in this series, um, who's like, no, Fred, let's do it this logical way, this reasonable way. Um, and he, again, ignores her at every stage. The, I guess when it comes more to a head almost is, is there's one thing I love, and it makes me think, funnily enough, not so much of Indiana Jones, but of a movie I have a very little solid memory of, which is one of the American Tale movies. Oh, okay. Um, Feifel and American Tale. Feifel goes west. Um, Feifel, the secret of New York or something like that. Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. I feel like we have. But the first Feifel goes west is like this, they're like Jewish mice, basically. Uh, and they travel to America to escape persecution. Well, yeah, yeah, it's uh, Feifel and American Tale is the original one where they go to America. And then Feifel Goes West is the sequel where they go out west. And then yeah, the they... next one is the one where Feifel wakes up and the whole out west was a dream. Which is bonkers. Especially because like, Go Out West is one of my favorite cartoon movies. Yeah. It's an Feifel amazing film to Goes me. Goes West is wonderful. It's just a really good movie. And for them to completely negate it and be like, huh, what a... What a like, what a crazy dream that was. Oh, because they wanted to set it back in New York, which was heartbreaking for me. The most brutal retcon I've ever seen. Granted, I feel about Five Goes West the opposite way that Roger Ebert feels about Five Goes West, in that I loved it. Did you not like Five Goes West? I think that movie did not get very well reviewed, particularly by him, which is crazy for me because like the the rubber band fights and all of that, like the slingshot fights. Yeah, I I like the music too. Oh, the music I, was great. I don't know, man. I like. Okay, we gotta watch that over Christmas or something. Can we actually? That'd be so cool. I would really like that. I, in fact, I think Multima Leo would like that at least. I know she would love that. But what? Wait, what's your point with Five Goes West? Are you going into retconning or what? Um, my point is that when they go back to New York, there's like a First Nations or like Native American mice tribe that like lives on Ellis Island or something like that. And they have in secret underground. Yeah, they yeah. have all of these like traps or whatever. Maybe it's not Ellis Island. I don't know. But they have all of these like traps. And I love, I love the idea that like ancient civilizations built these like complex, like needlessly complex like traps. Like 
arrows uh, fire out of the walls and like spikes come up out of the ground and it's like a, a Mario level basically. In, in their home, no less, which is what we see when Velma talks about the creation of this place is like they built their own home underground and filled it with traps. And it shows all these little animated people like in part worshiping chicken and in part trying to escape from their own boulders and flying arrows from the walls and all that stuff that you indicated. Still, I love it. It's a very Indiana Jones kind of feel. Fred basically just says, oh, if Chuck can do this, I can do it. And he goes through and um, in... in it's a gauntlet of, like, lava on the floor, swinging beams and crushing spikes and all this stuff. It's it's a beautiful little scene. I mean, like, this is a cartoon. It's a cartoony show. But it's so cartoony because you know for a fact that Fred would die. When he just charges through it and he gets hit by every single thing, burnt by the lava, slammed by three different swinging logs and pillars. The part for me was where these spikes came up from the ground and from the ceiling and were going to cut Fred in half. Is he not guillotined at one point? Like, he's guillotined. He was going to be sliced in half. The only reason... I know they didn't even show, like, the impact happening. They cut away as if because we would know... We would need to see Fred in half at yeah, the end of that. Yeah, that's, that's what happens. There are these blades, like you said, coming from the ceiling and from the floor, and they catch him in the middle, but then it cuts. It cuts so that we don't see the next second of that moment. I, I would really love it if you would grab a gif of this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just watched it. And the moment before the two things connect and bisect Fred, um, everyone flinches and, like, Daphne grabs on to, to Shaggy the way she used to grab on to Fred. All right, I, I mean, edit this out. I gotta, I gotta watch it now, too. As Scooby looks on and just open-mouthed horror, slack-jawed horror. All right, I think there it is. Alright, there he's running. <clears throat> he's burned. Spiked mace, pillar, he is log. hit by a, ma- a spiked fire. mace. Swinging back and forth. Burned again. <laughs> I, I genuinely flinched when that happened when I watched it today. Like, I had the reaction of all the people looking on. <laughs> I think that's funny because, like, the thing is, for our listeners, and you can see this on our website, ScoobyDudes.com. I'm going to find a way to put it up there. He's lying prone on the ground when it happens. So it's not even like he steps into something where you're like, every choice he makes hurts him. This is the lack of a choice that hurts him. It just comes up from the ground and then another one from the ceiling. And it's, it's not even cartoonish. It's almost grotesque. Yeah, there's just like a tiny bit of ragdoll. And then he's crushed between two final pillars at the very end. But to your point, this is the cartooniest point of the whole show because there's no sense of danger, even though there's mortal, mortally dangerous things happening to him left and right. <sighs> um, okay. So it's we've tough. we've really skipped over the Daphne du jour of this episode, which is that Daphne narrates what's going on. And I think one thing that you and I feel is essential for every Scooby-Doo iteration, incarnation, however you want to put it, is the Scooby-Doop. True. And uh, the Scooby-Doop, of course, is this uh, recurring gag in which Scooby and Jaggy will pull a stunt for the monster, tricking him into believing that he's in a different situation than he is, typically by creating a a scenario in which the social pressures are so great, the monster must buy in. And and we did not get one last uh, episode of this show, Mystery 101. Uh, We get pretty close this time 
um, in which Daphne is narrating that the monster, or, or you know, this is a ta- spirit of the Tari warrior is coming upon them, and she's like, uh, it, it, um, it corners, it corners our daring adventurers. When suddenly it drops its weapon and falls back on its back, and, <laughs> like a kitten, exposing its belly. Um, and it's great because she's accurately narrated up to this point, and now she's almost hoping that she has power over it that her predict her um her descriptions were actually predictions almost predictions yeah, yeah or something like that I, again it's, it's wonderful character design because the camera pans back to the the warrior and it just has that like frown that avian grimace as i mentioned it it seems like a moment that could have easily turned into a scooby doop if the warrior played in if there was almost like this give and take for a minute before the warrior broke the dupe and just chased them again so, but I don't think John Colton Berry is crazy about the Scooby Doop. We don't see it that and, much. And hopefully, after we share this episode, um, we'll get some feedback about that because I would lo- I would love that. I, I he's been very uh, social. He he has such a pas- passion for the show, um, and he's he's been very responsive. And and I'd be interested in that. In that, how would you? Is there a point in this episode where you would be able to insert a Scooby Doop? Because I think that's something that we've done in every single episode we've ever done and i think it's a lot of fun um given that they're in a cave or a a a place where the people used to worship chickens scooby and shaggy would make some kind of reference to them being the biggest chickens of all then they'd look to each other have a moment of realization dress up as a giant chicken and try and get the zatari warrior to worship them like like bow before your chicken god oh i mean scooby does have a chicken costume (laughs) <laughs> that he can uh, he can magic up almost out, at out will. of nowhere. If necessary, they could even pull out a giant inflatable rubber duck if it came down <laughs> could, to if it. If it could do in a pinch, if if that would do the trick. Um, but that's I guess what I would imagine. And the Zatari warrior, even though I'll I'll give it away now, it's not an actual Zat- spirit of a Zatari warrior. Um, would react as if it was the social pressure being too great for. It. I think that is part of what would work well. He has to pretend like he does revere the chicken. My, my scooby Doop is pretty weak, if only because it is founded on a single line that I think would be really funny, um, which is that Scooby okay. and Shaggy show up and they're like, they're archaeologists. Um, like, like the Zatari Warrior comes mm. across them and they're just like using like a fine, maybe one of Daphne's makeup brushes and they're like brushing away at like a wall or something. And then they look at the Zatari Warrior and Shaggy's like, uh, he's like, like that belongs in a museum and he like he takes so they take the zatari warrior's weapon from him and they like you know they put it in like a a box with like insulation or padding inside of it and like board it up and they're like we got to get this out right away it's like a relic Mm. and it's not it's not so much that the zatari warrior like plays in maybe in this case but that he's so shocked he just doesn't do anything his status lowers because Scooby and Shaggy lend the higher status to whatever it is they're trying to uncover. Like, no, shh, be quiet, don't disturb the ground, we're trying, we've got a fossil here almost. I think the archaeological angle makes a lot of sense for this, especially because it's uh, this ancient culture, Daphne is already narrating David Attenborough style, so it's got this documentarian yes. mm-hmm. feel to it. Now I like that best. Yeah. Uh, but let's, I mean, let's wrap up the, let's wrap up the, the mystery. So they get to the very bottom of the cavern and they see this door it looks like beyond the door is probably going to be the treasure but with them here cornering them at this final stage is the zatari warrior um and fred thinks back to and i mean i don't know if this made a ton of sense i like the advice 
apparently, um, when when faced with a fork in the road, the average person sees two paths, but the chicken sees three. At least that's what Rick, the last Zatari person, says. Um, and what Rick meant originally when he said that was, go back the way you came, it's dangerous. Yeah, th- that's the, um, third, that's the third way. And it was actually, like, weirdly, really, it, like, as proverbs go, a pretty solid proverb. I kept waiting to laugh at that, and then I was like, no, that's just good advice. Yeah, it, it makes sense. <laughs> People, yeah, when, like, turning back is an option. It is. You don't have to go down the road less traveled or the road more traveled. You can just go back up the road. I'm having a real-life epiphany now, man. <laughs> I, I wasn't ready for this. Um, Empty but, Sam, but, we're getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you, man. Thank you. Man, it's a good thing that she's in that soundproof box and cannot hear you. <laughs> uh, no, I could never oh. do that. Like the Zatari people, she... <laughs> got a Luke David for that. <laughs> she calls you Luke David? Yeah. <laughs> Very momish, right? I think I mean I think it's really appropriate that your that your life partner calls you Luke David. Uh it really fits the way that you call her uh mummy and mum. Mama, mum, mama, mummy. Try and do the stew stewy mom. thing. Mum, mum, hey mum, mummy, mum, hey, mum. Uh where uh, what were we talking about? Um well, uh, Fred realizes now that they're sort of tr- they're they're being backed up against this wall. Uh, there appear to be all of these various traps coming out of this tiled surface uh, between them and the door behind which the treasure is. Fred realizes that the, the third path is the path behind them. It's this wall that they're leaning against. And he leans back and presses a tile that... Am I describing this correctly? Opens the door with all the yeah. treasure. It's The, the mm-hmm. path back is what whatever. But it doesn't really make sense with the good advice that was given. It, it's not super clean, but it does distract the Zatari warrior who looks to that and he sprints for it as if that's what he wanted all along. Um, the Zatari warrior is then caught in a, a trap by Fred. Fred knocks him off the path. A cage comes down from the ceiling, mousetrap style, and catches the Zatari warrior. Mousetrap. Mousetrap. We've now got the breakdown and the unmasking. Yeah, so at this point, there are what? Like two? There's three I, I mean, like, non-gang uh, characters. Ostensibly two people yeah right on the surface the two people being park ranger and rick but there is a third non-gang character we've met uh, yeah and it's um it's the guy at the beginning in the uh in the deep scuba diving suit <laughs> he did escape like that guy at the beginning when the cops walked away he dove into the lake and he presumably got off scot-free so it's it's incredible that that's who it was this entire time yeah what a what a swerve he lets them know hey i'm sorry the first uh, thing was kind of boring but i wanted to get you guys something special a much better mystery and they're all like oh thanks man this was good really considerate of him yeah it's really nice uh, <laughs> there is that guy and the two cops who are uncredited, uh, but it's none of those. But before we say who it is, let's go through the clues. It, when they notice that this Atari warrior, and we haven't gotten into a lot of detail, um, is what's the word I'm looking for? Demonstrates a remarkable athleticism, Ex- extreme agility. He's very fit. He's jumping all around. He's using his staff in an incredible way. So we know whoever this is, they've got parkour skills or something along those lines. Um, um, also along the way, and, and we skipped over this as well, um, there have been uh, breadcrumbs in the form of uh, glow, glow sticks. sticks. 
that Chuck has left behind. Yep, that kind of, the, the gang has been following, hoping to find Chuck. One other thing we know about the Zatari Warrior is that the Zatari Warrior, for some reason, keeps falling victim to the traps that are set up all around here. You'd think a real Zatari Warrior would know where all the traps are, but this person does not. And as, and as one last thing, um, the Zatari Warrior, as told by Rick, exists to dissuade people from getting the treasure. So, and Rick basically says, he will only attack you if you're going after the treasure. And the gang is specifically not going after the treasure, just looking for their friend Chuck. It makes sense, if Chuck was going after the treasure, he'd get chased by the warrior, but not the gang. So, so with all of this together, um, the arrows point actually directly to Chuck, who is, who is athletic, um, who uh, is mm -hmm. chasing after them because uh, he... I mean, like, what's his plan again? His plan... Okay, so the thing... The relationship with Chuck and Freddy is that... The first way Ch Freddy describes it to us is that Chuck seeks the danger, Fred solves the problem. So Chuck is good at finding the root problem, but he can't solve it. He's not a problem solver. That's Freddy. So when Chuck found where the treasure was in this cavern, he wasn't able to unlock it, as Freddy just did by backing into that um, little stone. Um, so what Chuck did was he put out a call for help to get Fred to come, but he did it without really genuinely asking for help because he's too proud. And then when Fred came, Chuck, as the monster, herded everyone down to the appropriate place so that Fred would then solve the mystery, letting Chuck steal all the treasure. Right. So it's a very manipulative thing to do, considering Chuck is one of Fred's oldest buddies. And if Chuck had just asked Fred for help, Fred would definitely have done it. Yeah, he was sick of being the dumb one. You said that he it was pride that prevented him from asking Fred for help, but also he... It's almost like by creating this complex scheme, he'd be able to pr prove his own intelligence. Yeah, and it is a complex scheme, and like it took some planning. It just didn't work, and he should have just asked for help. And Daphne points that out. She's like, well, didn't you ask for help anyway? And he's like, no, I'm dumb, remember? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> didn't you hear the not intelligent piece? Chuck actually says, and I would have gone away with it if I was smarter and planned it better. <laughs> Which, which really is what every single villain could say. That, that's what they should say, really. Um, if a couple of meddling kids, and moreover a dog, can foil your plans, you didn't have great plans, bud. And uh, the park ranger shows up again, this time to say, you're going to go away for a long time. And that sounds kind of harsh for a friend of one of the gang members, and Freddy's like, wait, really? No, not really. <laughs> Because because he's Chuck a white man. Because he's a he's, white man in the, the 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 system. He's just on his summer break. Where are you gonna ruin his whole life just for trying? He's just a prank, bro. He did come close to killing the whole gang many times over. Many a time. Many times over. And it's worse because he knew Fred personally. He's a friend. And Fred, to his credit, does not say. He neither completely writes him off nor does he say, "I'm gonna get you out of this." He says, "It's time you learn the consequences of your actions." Yeah. But I mean, let, let's let's get real. Nothing, nothing bad is really going to happen to this guy. No, he's going to get off scot-free. Misdemeanor on his record that uh, will be wiped from his record one year later after not completing social uh, services. Uh, his, uh, his, vol his volunteer his hours. Volunteer, yeah. he'll, he'll do like half of them, and then they'll let him off for like good behavior. I don't know. I don't know anything about the judicial system. Oh. And that's really the whole episode. Scooby and Shaggy do reconcile. Ultimately, remember, they, they wanted to be friends. And the funny thing at the end is that Scooby's like, no, my problem wasn't that... You called me your pet. It was that you're my friend. It's almost like the ownership thing. Scooby thinks of 
himself as the owner of Shaggy. Correct, yeah. Which Shaggy does not have any problems with, because he's a a beta male. (laughs) He wants to be owned. (laughs) That's not the direction I was going in. Immediately, (laughs) it's just funny, because before we started recording this episode, I was specifically telling you about how psychophantic I am about... (laughs) regarding strong men yeah yeah you you really uh desire their approval i yeah i would be fred's pet oh anything else to add about game of chicken um i mean like obviously watch be cool scooby-doo uh even though it shies away from some of the tried and true tropes of like uh the scooby-doop and like eating a lot of food um there there was another scene in which there was a it was scored there was a chase scene that was scored a musical chase scene uh, which is, that's quintessential of Scoob. It is. It, uh, scored, not sung, not a, uh, no lyrics to that chase scene. But it worked really well, and it was that kind of like going down different tube shafts like an Emperor's New Groove. Uh, I really like that. And be cool, Scooby-Doo. I feel like I'm trying to defend it every time we're on air with it. Because I think it should get way more recognition than it does get. No matter how much it does get, it should always get more. Unless you want a rerun of the original Scooby-Doo. This is the Scooby-Doo for you, I think. It's got the mystery, it's got the characters, it's got the laughs and then more laughs. If a lot of people, a lot of people have been saying, and I, and I let's try to, I want to try to like wrap things up here. Yeah, we're almost done. That like, be cool Scooby-Doo, and I, I think we mentioned this a little bit before, I want to, to hit on it again, like, oh, be, school, be cool Scooby-Doo, they're, they're always focused on the, the artwork, and they're always like, Scooby-Doo like ruined my childhood, like Scooby-Doo like desecrated uh, something that I hold dear, like blah, 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 and it's like, this isn't even the most radical character redesign that we've seen. Not not by a long shot, I don't think. No, and it's, I mean, it stars all of the members of the gang, and there were a lot of iterations that didn't do that. Oh, yeah, there were a lot where, yeah, it's like, I don't want to see different Fred. I want to not see Fred. I'm like, no, this is this is great. We get Frank Welker back in. We get Fred. We have Kate Micucci as Velma. We've got Gray Delisle as, uh, or actually, it's Gray Griffin now, right? Uh, uh. Matthew Lillard is Shaggy. We've got Frank Walker. Scooby. It's it's the perfect cast for these guys. Their character designs are on point for their costumes. It's just that they look a little bit different to accommodate the comedic style. And the animation is still fantastic. And it's like, if you want to watch the old Scooby-Doo episodes, go buy, like, an old DVD of, like, Sco- which And, like, it sounds like I'm saying that like it's a bad thing. No, do that, no, too. We encourage you to do that. That's great. We love doing that. We do that, like, every third episode we go back to the original. We love that stuff. But this is, I think, if we want to... There, there's two kinds of Scooby-Doo series I'd love to see made new today. One is Be Cool Scooby-Doo exactly as it is. The other one is new episodes for the original Scooby-Doo done in that same style. Oh my gosh, that would be so incredible. That would be incredible, but that's basically wanting to relive the magic of the original. And, I mean, unless you want that, this is the best thing that could possibly exist. And, and it's like one thing that's... that com- And I guess it, the thing about Scooby-Doo iterations is that you don't have concurrent shows coming out at the same time, right? Mm. For the comic books, there's Scooby Apocalypse if you want, you know, like Sco- the Scooby and Killing Monsters. There's Scooby-Doo Team-Up if you want fun, lighthearted, like Scooby-Doo hijinks, whatever. Um, but for the TV show, it's only one show at a time. But what people in comic books have come to realize more and more as time goes on is that a comic book can come out and it can be not for you. Mm. It can be for a different <laughs> audience. This sounds like something that most people don't realize with anything like, oh, hang on, this isn't terrible. It's just not for me. Yeah. And like, like 
I you know what I realized that with like you know like the new Ghostbusters movie, mm. which I saw more like I saw it on principle almost um, with Theo because it was like because the red pill told you not to yeah and because like it started women and I was like I like comedies and I like women and I guess the Ghostbusters are fine so I watched and I didn't like it but I <laughs> I acknowledge that like a lot of people did so maybe like I I wasn't the target audience maybe it wasn't for me and that's fine yeah. And that's okay. There's lots of stuff that I don't care for myself, but I try and put myself in the shoes of someone who would like this. What value could be derived from this if I were a different person? And therefore, like, what value could this hold for someone else? And um, I guess my takeaway is that Be Cool Scooby-Doo should be a value to you, and there is a problem with you if it isn't. No, that's not quite what I'm going for. (laughs) No, I thought you were going to cut off the episode right there. (laughs) Maybe I will. Well, that was Game of Chicken. It's our episode 28. I'd like to once again thank and rededicate this episode to John Colton Barrington. Thank you very much for creating this delicious little treat that we had to enjoy. Uh, this is seems like a logical segue. I feel like one of the things we've called him is John Colton Baratheon. <laughs> the king. And what I really wish is that at some point in this episode, we had um, talked... But you know how in in A Song of Ice and Fire, they talk about, like, blah, 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 is a Game of Thrones. And I wish that we had framed that and been, like, a Game of Chicken. (laughs) Oh, shoot, that would have been perfect. Did you know that every time we miss, uh, we we get John Colton Berry's name wrong, my Adam's apple gets a little bit bigger? (laughs) It's true. You're you're dying. It's, I don't know, I don't know about that, man. I don't know about that. (laughs) Okay. Is is Adam's apple prominence? Uh, does that correlate to voice depth? I think so. I I I want to. Then say how so. is your voice so high pitched? Hey, 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 man. Hey, look here, Evan. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. I uh, I think I think Adam's apple size correlates to um, uh, sexual prowess. It has to really. be testosterone, right? Because isn't hair loss also like connected to testosterone? Okay. <laughs> 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 too far we can make fun of me on one point at a time no you're full of testosterone you're a chad <laughs> no this is I've, I've never felt i've never felt more attacked to be accused of having lots of testy oh man uh, fine but you know what fine dude i'm a testy heavy dude you know every you know every podcast has an alpha male an alpha male and a beta male uh, that, that's true and that's that's why we're kind of cool to do the double beta, <laughs> double beta thing initially, but with enough mispronunciations of Johnny Colty Berry, and, and all yeah, that. Yeah, we're we're the BB gun of podcasts, beta beta. There you go. Anyways, thank you guys for joining our podcast. Oh, this was a lot of fun. Oh, jeez, Rick. Oh. oh man, I yeah, that's the whole thing. I'll I'll be trying to do Shaggy, and sometimes I'll lapse into uh, <laughs> into into Morty. Oh, jeez, Scoob. Sa- not Sanchez. What's, what is their last name? It, it's Morty. Oh, man, what is Morty's last name? Because it's not Sanchez. Because it's Rick Sanchez, and then it's whatever Jerry's last do name is. Do we even is. know Jerry's last name? I'm sure we Does do. Does anyone care? I don't know. Well, it's all um, of the rest of their last names, too. Beth. Okay, hang on. Let me, let me see. Smith. It's Smith. That's why we didn't remember. Because it's, it's, oh. so, it's like nothing. So plain. Yeah, like the absence of a last name would sound more distinct and more energetic. Very unfortunate. Thank you everyone who's not named Smith for listening to this episode. This was a lot of fun to do for you. Um, 
And again, thank you for Johnny Colty Berry, JCB. JCB. You still, like, you're not familiar with that song, right? No, what song? Okay, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, there's a song called JCV. Jean-Claude Van... Actually, no. no. (laughs) Well, apparently... No, maybe it is JCB. Easy as one, two, three. JCB. Okay, you're the worst. You and me. Uh, All the JCB and JCB stuff just has, like, Tonka trucks and construction. Oh, okay. That's my... It is... It is my mistake. It is JBC. Jonathan Bolton Carey. It's a song, and it's it's so... It's just a really wonderful song. It's by, like, these two British guys, and it has, like, this really lovely, like, hand-animated music video. And a, apparently a JBC is, like, a steam shovel to us North Americans. Huh. And it's about how his dad had a steam shovel, and they he would, like, ride alongside his dad. And it's just like, a nice song about his about his father. Huh. It's, it's very pleasant. Okay, no, I'm, this is a rap... <laughs> thing i'm i'm watching now this is something else completely but i i do want to give us a pat on the back that we've stayed so on task and on topic for the entire outro like this is unusually uh targeted for us uh, unusually focused our our intro was so on point it's unbelievable that we were able to surpass that here in the outro portion yeah and to recapture lightning in a bottle to paint a rainbow on the air Luke, rule of threes. <laughs> oh man, we uh, we got to get to the outro portion of this outro sooner or later. Uh, that is, we got to tell you where you can follow up on us, and we got to thank some certain special people. So where to follow up on us first? Let me bust through these real quick. Twitter, the Scooby Dudes. Facebook, Scooby Dudes. Email, Scooby Dudes at Gmail dot com. Scooby Dudes Podcast um, at Gmail dot com. Oh, excuse me, Scooby Dudes Podcast at Gmail dot com. Thank you for the catch on that. Uh, website, that's just scoobydudes.com. Visit the website. That's the best portal to start at if you want to get more Scooby Dudes related content. If you want, and I hesitate to say because I've been very negligent in my duties um, of posting content, but. Oh, me too. I do and have. And if you, if you decide to donate to us on Patreon, there will be a backlog of content and also future content. Uh, now that my internship is over, and, I have the yep. time. And, uh, and you can also get episodes slightly early before they come out uh, as I am about to finish wrapping this podcast and then upload it. Um, so Patreon, uh, Scooby Dudes on Patreon is a great way to get additional content on this and to help us support our artists who create great art that we share on our website. Yeah, so, so uh, if you donate, you'll get content. You'll... <laughs> really, is there any greater benefit to knowing that you're supporting the two of us mm. yeah just just knowing that the money that used to be in your pocket is now in our in a way it's wallet. almost like you're our parents yeah i i was also going to go to to a parenting kind of thing but it was going to be more like your money is a child that you can't care for and evan and i are responsible parents that cannot have a child of their own and wouldn't it be better to put your money under you know our what? care that so is that very accurate and do accurate. You and I cannot have children of our own. I mean, I mean together, Evan, but also yeah. in some ways. No, it's it's true. Like we're getting kind of personal here, pulling back the curtain. But Evan and I cannot have our own children. Like we've we've tried. Oh oh, have we tried? We we've mashed the Ken dolls together many a time. Are th- but. Uh, 
<laughs> now, now that analogy makes it sound like neither of us even have kids. <laughs> like, not only does the do the parts not match, but we're missing the parts. Like, my question was going to be, are you referring to our dicks as Ken dolls? <laughs> no, I'm measuring two Ken dolls bumping up against each other. I'm sorry, sometimes I just describe whatever I'm doing while we're recording. <laughs> and right now I'm playing with Ken dolls. Uh, massive apologies to all listeners. Um, I'm so sorry. We also, not only will you be supporting us and getting that cool natural high of doing a good thing, we will also say your name mm. uh, in every single episode that we record. Every single episode. We'll give you a big old shout-out the first time that you donate. We'll make a big to-do about it. And every week after that, we're going to thank you for your donation. Uh, don't believe us? Listen as we thank all of our existing current donors. Thank you to those people again. Um, outside of that, what, where else, what, what, what else even is there? Jeez, Rick, what else even is there? Aw, oh, Scoob. <laughs> I'm not going to do the Rick voice. But you know why? Because Rick and Morty is the worst, the like, most played out, like, good piece of art in existence, I think. You mean, you mean it's, uh, it's more popular than it is good? It's the best thing that's more popular yeah, than it is good. Yeah, that's the perfect way of putting it. Like, it's solid stuff, but everything else tangentially related to it is horrible and bad. Yeah, le- toxic fandom kind of thing. Like, I, I enjoy every episode of Rick and Morty. I, I don't think I ever want to talk to a stranger about Rick like, and Morty. Like, actually, I think back and, like, low-key regret being so into the first and second seasons. Yeah? I... I think back on when I was last out and about and I saw a wraparound line around a McDonald's and I thought the apocalypse was happening. And then I remember the Szechuan sauce thing and I just looked at everyone in the line and I... Uh, I'm so judgy. Man, I'm too judgy, but I was judging everybody so hard. The, I, it makes sense, dude. Like, I friggin' Rick and Morty, I was doing, like, trivia at a bar, and one of the one of the team names was, like, Get Swifty, and I was just like, ugh. I, I wasn't even, I didn't even, like, repress my groan. <laughs> I was just like, ugh. Ugh. I'm trying to think of something else that has been like this, that was like a good product, but the obsession over it got way out of hand. Like when the Mona Lisa came out, was everyone like, oh, the Mona Lisa is a great painting, but everyone's naming all their Italian trivia names, like the like subtle smile and all this stuff. I was going to, like, as a Christian person, I was going to be like, the Bible. The Bible, yeah. Is there anything Look, that's I, so I lo- good, but has a worse fan base than the Bible? Ooh, that is... Oh, that's the perfect example. You're completely right. Hey, look, I like the Bible as much as anybody, but, oh man, we're getting... If we're going to alienate both Rick and Morty fans and fans of the Bible, who are we left with, buddy? I don't, I don't think I've alienated fans of the Bible. I think, I, think true, I think true fans of the Bible will see where I'm coming from. Do we think the same of Rick, true Rick and Morty fans? No. No, <laughs> they don't see anything. Because they're freaking idiots, myself included, because I love that show. I, oh, sorry. Um, let's close this out. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, please. Oh, yeah. Do that. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We'll read it no matter what it is. We'll only bleep it if we have to. And, you know, like, above all, return to us next week 
And it, whatever you thought of the podcast, let us know at our various social media sites. Um, give us your positive input and uh, how much you loved it publicly. Privately hit us up for criticism. Things that will be bleeped from your five-star iTunes review. References to Slurs. Szechuan sauce. Unnecessary burps. Uh, any ref- like Anything that rhymes with the word Schwifty. Oh, yeah. You know, I there's not a whole lot that I would bleep from one of these reviews, but I I think let's say it now we will bleep all Rick and Morty references, and if something seems like it might be a Rick and Morty reference, it's gonna be bleeped. We're gonna err on this side of bleepage. So, that said, please feel free to leave us a review, and oh, man. I think this brings us to the close of our. At the, I think it does. At the time of this I'm recording, scared. thirteen minute I'm outro. I'm scared that. Sorry, what? We're, this is. Our podcast is, like, exclusively aimed at adults who watch cartoons. <laughs> and, and alienated Rick and Morty fans is not a uh, not perfect. Uh, but at least JCB will always watch, listen to us, right? Uh, hopefully. For a while. Maybe. I would, honestly, I would be surprised if he listened to the entirety of this episode. Do you know that every time we alienate another fan, I grow more sycophantic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You become more eager to please. Yeah, eager to please the remaining fans that we have. Until at the end of the day, I am just JCB's Princess Leia slave. (laughs) (laughs) That unfairly characterizes him as Jabba the Hutt. That's not nice. Oh, I... Okay, we're done. We're done here. (laughs) 